And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And friends, I got to tell you, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers can be really, really difficult. I think we all know that at this point. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have a platform, a whole platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, today, friends, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about. I love talking about culture and, and how to make your, your teams and your environments stronger through the fostering and facilitating of strong culture. And so we're going to be talking with Karen Huey. Karen is founder and CEO of Nucleus Training Solutions and KRHR. And she is an ex, she's an expertiest expert when it comes to creating strong culture, putting systems and processes in place to support your, your human beings and, and support your teams. And so I just want to give you a hearty welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. You're welcome. And thanks for that uh, introduction and welcome. It was nice. You got it. I just gave Karen finger guns for those of you listening at home. Uh, <laughs> well, Karen, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just kick us off. And I'm just going to say, tell us about your journey, friend. Okay. I'm going to try to give you the condensed version because it can get long. Uh, I believe but, in you. I, you can do this. I'm going to do it. All right. All right. Now, uh, my background has been in human resources and learning and development. Um, I got a master's degree from Michigan State in human resource and, and labor relations with a focus on adult learning. So education, learning of all the areas in human resources that we can do, and I've done just about all of it, um, that that learning and education is what I've always gravitated towards. Um, so I, I started out after Michigan State working for some very large companies like Chrysler, Chrysler Financial, uh, in the HR and um, onboarding area. I a couple iterations later, I was at OptumRx, which is a mail order pharmacy. And that's where I headed up the entire, well, most of what I've done later in my career, I've started new departments and in, in new groups from scratch, uh, which yeah. has been fun. And at Optum, we started the learning and development team that supported the pharmacy. So it's the pharmacists and the technicians and the actual fulfillment center. And if you've never seen an automated mail order pharmacy, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Um, but yeah, so there, uh, and I'm going to mention it because it comes into play later in what we're doing today. Uh, we started um, introducing training videos to deliver content because our training at the time was very long. It's pretty boring. It was not engaging or effective and it was very expensive. And so we took, you know, our new hire pharmacist training from 12 weeks down to six. We can cut things in half and using that video is very effective. A um, few iterations later, and I had the opportunity to then go back and, and work for a smaller company, setting up their entire HR department, 
made sense then because they bought and sold divisions. They didn't need me anymore because it turned into a small company again. Wait, that's did you manage cool. yourself out of a job? I did. Yes, yeah. I did. That's a, that's a fun gift. No. But, yeah. <laughs> it was all good. It was a good transition. Right. <laughs> it was what have happened and, and, and it was good. It was good. But I then went on and I started working with an organization that wanted to build out an HR consulting firm. So at that point, I was working with small companies, not necessarily startups, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, companies that, because typically what happens with startups is, they get going, they get busy, they develop their software or their platform so that they can help other companies hire software developers. And, and then they go back later and they put in their HR processes and infrastructure. Right. Um, but working in that small area, but throughout this whole time, I'm still gravitating back toward that learning, that education. I've been an adjunct college instructor at uh, Johnson County Community College for over 21 years. I don't know if I'd like to admit that or not. Human relations. Oh, JCC. Welcome. Love giving my commercial plug for Johnson County. Sure, Community. sure. Great value. Excellent educational institution, friends. Yep. Small classes. Um, yeah, yeah. Clearly so has they're... excellent taste in professors, you know. Well, thank, you. thank you. And I'm not getting paid by JCCC to, to plug them, but yeah, any community college, it's a, it's a good value for students. Okay. Yeah, really. um, yeah. So, um, yeah, then we had the opportunity and I, I had the you know HR consulting firm, KRHR. Then I was really fortunate and my son came to work with me. Um, and so we always, as soon as we introduce ourselves, we like to clarify, he's my son. And a funny story, we went to a meeting in person and we all the way through the meeting and the gentleman we were meeting with, he looks at us, he's like, all right, well, got to ask. He said, I looked you up on LinkedIn and couldn't quite tell. Is it, is it mother, son, husband, wife, we busted up laughing. Awkward. My, my son, he's my son. So <laughs> I'm very blessed that I get to work with him. And we had started a company that was a video-based online training company geared toward um, a different audience, uh, high school athletes, because he played college golf. Um, he had an unusual uh, HR startup, true startup, hadn't opened the doors yet. But they wanted their employee handbook. They wanted their interviewing processes. They wanted their checklist and, and, and all of their HR infrastructure. So we put that in place and they said, you know, you've created that training for, for the athletes and your other company. Can you make training videos for us? Because that's the core of what we do. We support adults with disabilities and we need a lot of training. We said, yeah, I can create training videos on any topic you want between the, the corporate trainings we've created um, you know, giving and receiving feedback and communications and interpersonal skills and, you know, pure functional job specific training, we can do it. So 17 training videos later, their folks are ready to go on being the ideal uh, team member on how to provide great customer service, how to dress for success, how to make ice cream with, you know, with, with batch freezer, which is a piece of equipment to make ice cream, very process driven. They opened their doors and we found out about some grant money. There was some CARES Act money out at the time. And so we cast a wide net and talked to all kinds of clients and said, we've got an opportunity. And, uh, you know, a lot of it can get paid for. We'll develop training, training videos for you. And so we launched Nucleus Training Solutions um, in 2021, even though we've been developing this type of training, full design training and specializing with those training videos and doing that since like 2010, but um, Nucleus Training Solutions started in 2021. So okay. that was the somewhat short version of the story. It could have been a lot I more. mean, it, it's your life. So, I mean, of course, you're going to take us on a, on a whole journey. 
which you just did now. So, so I have a lot of questions about Nucleus and, and KRHR, but the first thing that I want to ask you, because I find this really interesting, uh, and, and this is really pure curiosity on my part, but you mentioned that you have a focus on adult learning. Uh, and so my, my question is, how do you differentiate between learning systems for adults versus learning systems for children? Like we talk a lot about K-12 education, things like that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you have to be mindful of when you are training adults? Okay, well, there, I'll get technical on you. There's yep, pedagogy <laughs> of how do you educate children? So more of your K-12 Time frame. Yeah. And I'm not an expert in that area, so I can't tell you much about that. So sure. andragogy is the study of how adults need to learn. And you know, and I haven't really studied it. It was a while ago that I was in graduate school, but there are still some fundamental principles. But with adults, it, different philosophy, you know, with children back in the day, and this is changing. So a lot of this yeah. is changing. Don't quote me on being absolutely current on uh, pedagogy, but it was more so you could just lecture to kids, you know, the teacher. I wrote, it was a lot of memorization. It was periodic. I I think you're right. Like, I think that we are seeing a a general shift to more experiential, hands on education. Yes, absolutely. But that's the way it's always been for adults. Adults, although I find it ironic because. I have a lot of colleagues at the college level, not necessarily JCCC, because I've been in a few other colleges, but they will prep for class and they will write their lecture. And I, I just did the, you know, little hand quotes, um, you know, that's, that's typical in that setting. And they would create a PowerPoint and they would lecture and talk at the students and think about it. Lauren, if I said, Lauren, would you like to sit down so I could give you a lecture? How do you feel about that? That sounds absolutely unappealing. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, but that's that's the approach we had at the college level. But with adults, we really need to make it very interactive, engaging. We we do what in the industry we call chunking the information. So I give you a little bit of information. I let you ask questions and talk about it. And if there's other people there, if it's a class, we have some discussion and we'll have breakout sessions and, and you'll practice it and you'll get really good at that piece. And then we'll add some more. So have you ever, Lauren, have you taken yoga classes? I have. Okay. I'm glad you have. A lot of people (laughs) have have not. I'm not going to go so far as to say that I'm any good at it, but I have. (laughs) It's funny. Don't judge. Isn't that what they always say in yoga? I mean, the point is like, you get out, you get active. (laughs) That's how a yoga class goes. We do a little bit. You get pretty good at it. Yeah, add on a little more, add on a little more. That's how we design the training. Um, and we have knowledge checks along the way. Make sure they understand. Don't just, you know, talk at them and blow through the information fast and hope they caught on because that's that's never worked for adults. So well-designed training, learning, and education, um, they have in, incorporate some of those aspects that I talked about. Um, if somebody ever says, well, you know, I'm going to create some training. Okay, I'll create a slide deck. They're not really creating training. They're creating a slide deck. So yeah, I'm a little biased. So I, yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I was actually in a meeting. So I, so I'm on a, a citywide council kind of environment thing. Uh, and it was really interesting because I, I made the mistake of using the term curriculum. And apparently curriculum is like a super loaded word that has a lot of meaning attached to it. And really what I wanted to say was scaffolded learning, like creating a path of least resistance to understanding. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you there's just so much that you have to be cognizant of when you are trying to educate. You know, things like learning styles, things like messaging, mm-hmm. things like consistency, and how do you determine that that scaffolded learning, that growth, starting from a base and then building onto it. Uh, so, so I'm going to tell you, if you don't mind, just indulge me for a moment. I'm going to tell you a little story. So in a previous workplace, I worked for an organization that did education, uh, primarily with, with students, um, high school age, sometimes middle school on rare occasion, college students. And then, but we also did some work with educators adults, adult learners. And it was really fascinating to me because it it was an innovation-based program that was kind of centered around design thinking. And I would administrate this program. And when we dealt with the students, we would get, so the students were challenged to come up with a solution to a problem. And with the students, we would always get like these crazy, innovative, moonshot thinking, like Kind, kind of solutions that we would talk about. But then when we would talk to adults and work with adults and ask them to do the same thing, they they would really struggle. And I, I mean, why do you think that is? Well, I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, I, from the reading I do, and I, I, I read like crazy. One of my colleagues said, do you ever sleep? Because you're so well-read. Nice. Yeah, I sleep. <laughs> That's healthy too with the yoga. But um, yeah, no, children, we have... It, especially younger children, mm-hmm. we haven't told them no too many times. Yes. That won't work. You know, all those I things. I'm so that happy that you picked that up. Because <laughs> no, no. you're exactly right. Like, like as soon as we soon would as put, as put a problem to the adults, we would have them, they would immediately start thinking of the reasons behind the no. Like, we don't have the budget for it. We don't have the people for it. We don't have the time. Whereas we tried that before. It didn't yeah. work. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I just, I always found that super interesting. And so I've always been very, um, very attuned to the differences between learning in youth and learning in adults. So I, I, I did want to ask you that. Now, one of the things that, that I love about what you've done with Nucleus Training Solutions in particular is you've created scalability in a very vital process that often doesn't have much scalability. Um, so, so by creating training videos, that means that you don't have to individually administrate the delivery of said video, right? You can record it. People can have content on demand. I, it was that kind of the thinking behind Nucleus Training Solutions, like creating that easy navigability for companies that wanted to offer training solutions? Yes, there's a couple aspects to that, Lauren. You're right. Um, there are so many great uses for training videos. That's why we love them because it can be used as pre-work, so people can get an idea and an overview ahead of time. You can use it during a session instead of me talking too long, like I will in a in a large, you know, two-hour session or whatever. I mean, that you're might doing be. great so far, but all right. I'll, I'll choose to believe you. <laughs> um, it, it's such a great reference afterwards as well. Yeah. Um, However, my caveat is, and there may be some people who disagree with me, and that's okay. I haven't found from my experience, you know, going back to Optum, working in the classrooms, when I do teach a live class at the community college or other universities or teach a workshop, just a video itself oftentimes won't achieve the objective based on the topics that I'm usually teaching, interpersonal skills you know, maybe a lengthy job specific training around, you know, I've got to, I've got to accomplish this task to do my job. Um, just in itself. Now, 
YouTube videos, if I need to go learn how to fix the leaky faucet, it's a pretty limited, you know, task that I have. They, they work really well. Use it all the time. But for the things that we're teaching for job skills and success in the workplace, you can get a little bit of that, but especially the interpersonal skills, you've got to talk about why this will or will not work. When, when adults can exchange stories and examples, they start learning from each other. So my workshops are always, you know, my training sessions are always very engaging so that they can talk and share because they learn. And adults thrive on that, sometimes more so than the children that you asked about earlier. Um, but then we need to have a little time to practice and go back and try again, have some assessment, get some feedback, some constructive feedback. And um, so that's why oftentimes just a training video won't work or just an eight hour lecture class like we used to have. That didn't work. So people take it back, stick it on the shelf, or they watch the video and it won't work. So we need to combine more of that, all those different elements of learning so that we can make sure that they're successful and, and um, be able to change the behavior and change the performance and the outcomes. And yeah. most of the time, it doesn't just happen by watching a video, reading a book, or going to a class. It takes time. So if we can design it that way, works better. And yeah, I can say a lot yeah. more, but I'm trying to do that succinct answering now. So ask well, me more. Like I said, you're doing great. Well, and and, and I, I love the intentionality that that is put behind what sounds like it's put behind your process anyway. I mean, the fact is like in order to to retain information, like people can read stuff, they can watch stuff, but in order to retain, you have to have context, you have to have repetition, you have to have you have to be able to like go back to the content and figure out how it aligns in your life, like your professional life, your personal life, whatever it is. So there, there are all kinds of factors that go into a person's ability to learn, right? Yes. And yeah. often, like, as you said, you know, often people aren't, they're not going to learn if you just like throw them a talk here or there, like, and you, you have to fully integrate knowledge into someone's experience for them to not just, not just retain it, but also implement right? Figure out what that means for them. So, so that's super cool. Uh, <laughs> I did have one thing. Let me go back to, I didn't quite answer your question about the videos and being scalable. Here's yeah. a real benefit. So um, we were at a, a prospective client. So, well, they are a client. Now we're talking to them about the training and we were talking to their lead trainer. And this is not the first time we've had this conversation. We have it all the time. Uh-huh. So we're talking to the trainer. He said, would it be very helpful to you if you didn't have to deliver this content, you demonstrating and talking through how to do these tasks to operate this piece of equipment. Would that be better if they could watch that in a video and then you can jump into the, here's the questions, here's the discussion, and they can start to demonstrate. It's like, oh my gosh, that would be great. Um, Because he has to do that over and over and over. And then what happens is people tend to forget what they said, or they change the story or so forth. That on-the-job training that that can be a little bit difficult because I change the story each time I do it based on what yeah. we ask and talk about. So that scalability, as you talked about with the videos, that is so key because it shortens the time that it takes to deliver content and information and demonstrate how to do something and show it. It makes it consistent. It is the same every single time. And then the, the trainers or the leads or the managers or whomever is delivering training, especially if it's with an organization that does a lot of hiring, and they have to do it over and over and over again, that starts to really engage those folks because they look at like, wow, this is great. I don't have to say that same thing over and over and over again. That's a relief. And now my company cares. You know, they're, they're developing a different way to go about this to give me some better tools 
because I really want this new hire to be successful or my colleague who's moving into a new job. And now I've got better tools to help them with that. So the, the videos can be used in so many different ways, relieves the trainer, it's consistent, it's the same and shortens it up. So um, that's where the scalability really comes into play as well as the engagement for all the folks. Well, and, and speaking of tools that, that can help you do your job better, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about software development. Friends, I know software, no, nobody likes talking about building a tech team. Like It's hard. It's constant recruitment. It's con- You don't have to do any of that. Uh, I'm here to tell you that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably, as we like to say. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Now, now that we have that out of the way, we are here with Karen Huey, founder and CEO of KRHR and Nucleus Training Solutions. And Karen, I want to I want to take a step back with you just a little bit, and then we're we're going to look at the the ten thousand foot view. And I'm going to ask you, why is the work you do important? Huh. Well, I'm passionate about that question. I appreciate you asking. Um, It's interesting. I have this conversation quite often in talking with other consultants, talking with business owners, and I'm in the people business. I've always been in the people business. Uh, My passion is making sure that people have the tools, the knowledge, the skills, and the abilities to do their jobs well. Yeah. And oftentimes, I mean, we've got Real focus on lean manufacturing, ISO from back in my manufacturing days, um, Six Sigma, process improvement. Those are all different ways and different approaches to go in and make our business more efficient and more effective. And we're going to take waste out of our process so it doesn't take so long. And, and then we look at our expenses and how much does the equipment cost and could a new piece of equipment make our jobs better? And, and we look at all these things and the finances and so forth. And we, we put all this in place. Yet it seems like we forget about who are the folks that are going to actually make all this happen. We're making these changes. We're making our business better. It's our people. And and that's where it kind of stops. You know, there's process mapping companies out there and, and they'll make a whole process map. And Lauren, I wish we did have the visual right now because my process map is behind my desk. Oh, man. <laughs> but, but, but I find it interesting that we then stop and we don't, you know, how do we, how do we, teach the folks these new skills. I mean, especially if we're changing something in our organization, even yeah. if people know that the change is for the better, it's a change. When you talk about culture, people, most people don't like change, even though they know it's really going to be better. You're still changing. I knew how to do right. that with the software I was using before, and now it's new software, whatever it might be. So um, one of my, you know, my passions and my mission is to help business owners and leaders and directors of operations. So you've got to focus on the people part of it because A, your folks are your most valuable and your most expensive asset in your entire company. Yeah, and yeah. they're the ones who are going to make it happen. They're going to make it or break it. And let's have more focus on that because that's what we focus on, giving them the tools and the learning that they have so they can be successful. And um, it's often forgotten and I find it bizarre. But my yeah, question. it's interesting. I was thinking about this, like so. So before you know, we hit the record button. We do some pre-show prep. We talk to the guest, but we all we go through our set list. And I was thinking about 
one of the, I, I was actually thinking about the way in which we refer to our teams and our employees. And often we, we hear this phrase, human capital. <laughs> and I, I kind of hate that phrase because I'm, I'm like, these are people. This is like, we can talk about assets and liabilities and we can talk about P&L. But when we're talking about people, like let's do people the courtesy of actually referring to them as, you know, humans. So, <laughs> and, and have respect for that designation. But you're, you're absolutely right. Like folks who are engaged, folks who have success trajectories, which often includes professional development, ongoing training, um, you know, these are the kinds of people that are successful for organizations. And we know the data empirically shows time and time again that turnover and toxic work environments, they, they are a cancer, they are a hindrance, and they hurt your business. And so, so anytime we talk to founders who are working to address that that kind of human capital attitude or mentality like i i love that you're humanizing something that has historically been very dehumanizing you know you're a number you punch your clock you go home um and 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 that i don't feel like that's really the case anymore and and so again we're kind of just seeing these societal shifts but you have created a mechanism to eradicate or at the very least support uh, the the removal of toxic workplace culture or at least a piece of it in what you're doing. Do you agree with that? Yes. I like what she said, a piece of it. What we do won't solve everything. Sure. It's going to take care of a lot of things. There, um, there's no one-stop shop solution here. No. Yeah, it'd be a multi-pronged attack for sure. (laughs) Multi-pronged all the time, but yeah, really, um, you know, when you when you look at the culture, one of the things that we and and we you know talk with with leaders, and I I love talking to them all the time. Like, you know, what is your learning culture? Do you have a focus on that? And I was I was blessed twice in my career to have really strong leadership. You know, that was when I was working for companies, once at Chrysler Financial and once at OptumRx, where I had senior leaders at both places that truly understood the value of investing in their folks. Uh, because it's hard, because you can't quantify it quite so much. You know, if, if you put in the new self-check scanning machine in the grocery store, which are all over the place now, um, you know, you can see, okay, now I need that many fewer checkout people. And, you know, you can do the math and figure out- yeah how that happens. With learning, we can do a lot of analysis. I mentioned earlier, we took our you know pharmacist training, we cut it in half so we can reduce training time and costs. I can easily go into a company and say, we can reduce that training time, that training cost by 50% and we can do the math and I, I can show savings. Uh, but some of it like turnover, that's a little bit harder because when somebody leaves a company and for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of reasons why they leave. Some of them leaders and owners have some control over and don't realize it always, but when they leave, they don't, the the business doesn't write a check for that. So they don't feel the impact of writing the check for 50 to 200% of that employee's yearly salary. Um, Or as Sherm said, most recently, you know, six to nine months worth. So that's, you know, 50 to 75%, somewhere in there. It's a significant number. Somebody's making a hundred thousand per year at, you know, one of your key leaders and they depart. Um, Probably seventy five percent, seventy five thousand dollars just came off your bottom line, but they don't write a check, so they don't feel it. Right, um, right. It's it's so, those hidden costs that you're yeah. so mindful of. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I will oftentimes I'll talk to leaders. I'll be at a group, whatever the setting is. And I'll ask them, do you know how much it costs you when you have turnover? And I'm amazed at how many very successful business people oftentimes don't know that. So I try to. Yeah. I mean, but think, think about like the far reaching implications, like any time you lose a team member and, and that could be like, they decided proactively to go to greener pastures or maybe they got fired or, you know, whatever it is, like you, you're, you're losing a lot. You're not just losing money. You're losing institutional knowledge. You're, you know, losing pieces of culture because the individuals contribute to culture as a whole, you know, you're, you're losing a lot um, potentially. So anything that, that we can do to, to work on that retention piece, not just the attraction of talent, but the retention of talent, that's going to be so key for startup founders, particularly like those early stage founders who like, you've got three employees working for you. If you lose one, man, that's, uh, that's tough. So I love that. You said something that I found really, really interesting. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but you mentioned that you had been very blessed to work for two leaders and within two environments where you felt that cultural support what did that look like and feel like to you? Hmm. Oh, it was, it, it was great. I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday because it was a while ago. I was with Chrysler Financial. Um, we had three senior VPs, just the way organizationally it was structured. And I won't go into all that. It doesn't matter. Um, and they said, you know, this is these call centers that we have are where the whole career starts. So we've got to make this a great experience. Well, I, I do have to tell you, it's kind of funny. Came to town. We had a call center. Um, so Chrysler Financial, they financed automobiles and in the call center, you would call people if they were past due on their car payments. We hired collectors. That was the first job to start your career with the company. And we hired folks with college degrees. So recent grads, and we hired these college graduates to come in and work second shift as a collector, calling people on their past due car payments not the career most college grads want to have. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> the only thing that was good, that second shift turn actually turned into a benefit because our second shift was 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Well, what do college students do at 10 p.m.? They go out. And then right. what do they do the next morning after being out late? They sleep in. So I thought it was a big detriment. It turned into one of the biggest selling features. Oh my that I gosh. Had to work for it. Yeah, you remember those days? I barely remember those days. Now it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, time for bed. Oh, yeah. That whole New Year's Eve thing? Yeah, it's still 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so a little, little squirrel there. I squirreled on you, but um, yeah, but we had these three senior leaders. They said, you know, it's, it's a, tough to recruit folks for this. And we expect a lot of them. We move them all the time. We've got to make this a good opportunity so they can grow their career because we want them to stick around. So we hired a consulting company who helped us create a one-year onboarding program. And then after the one year, they graduated into what we called Navigate, where they could chart their own course. And, um, you know, I still have borrowed some aspects of that that I share with clients today. So this big company approach that, you know, I can share with not so big of companies, but they they really were committed to that. And then they said, when we come in, we want our culture to be such that, that people enjoy their jobs. They're doing a good job. Yeah, it's a tough job. And it's sometimes it's, it's, it's not glamorous or exciting. And so yeah. one of the senior VP said, when I come into the call center, I want to see a skip in everybody's step. And there was like eight of us senior leaders there like, okay, what does that look like to you, Paul? He said, I don't know, but I'll know it when I see it. Now go make it happen. 
I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, but there's not a lot of guidance in there. <laughs> no, it was a little tough, but but we got it. I mean, we, we wanted to make it a, a good place to work, a place sure. where we got a lot of feedback from people, communicated with people, gave them the tools and the learning and the training they needed to then be able to thrive in their careers. And not everybody would stay, and we knew it, um, and that's okay because there's only so many places you can go, um, But but they were committed to it. And they would come in and they would listen to presentations from our new hires after six months. And and the senior leaders demonstrate and walk the talk, the interest, the commitment, and the passion they had for their folks. And it made a difference, huge difference. I I love that. So so what I'm hearing, because there's not... I don't know that there's like any one particular roadmap. I mean, like I said, there's there's not one thing that you can do to impact your company's culture. There are a million little things that you have to do and that, but what I'm hearing, I'm hearing intentionality coming out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tactics are going to vary from organization to organization and it's going to, you know, there are all kinds of variables in there. But the fact is, like, as long as you are intentional about creating your culture before your culture is created for you, because yeah. uh, it will be, <laughs> but you know, as long as you are mindful, you know, that's really important. What I did not hear, Karen, I didn't hear anything about beer pong Fridays. I didn't hear anything about foosball tables. That's not culture, <laughs> right? No. And I think and the good news is a lot of that has gone out of style. So we're not <laughs> so much anymore, thank goodness. Well, and, and I'm I'm super glad to hear that. But like, I I do know founders to this day who they're, they're like they are very confident that like if we give out the swag and we do all the like cool, fun, funky stuff, people are going to stick around. And the fact is, like, people don't stick around for for that kind of stuff. They stick around for opportunity. They stick around for, you know, a clear career trajectory, like a a success path. They stick around for managers that support them. And I want to talk to you about psychological safety because Mm -hmm. training videos and and all of the consulting that you do um, really, you know, it comes back to that feeling of psychological safety. Are you in in an environment where you feel like you have the opportunity to learn, to, to take on new skills and new responsibilities? Are you in an environment where you feel comfortable uh, expressing dissatisfaction or you know, pointing out areas for improvement? Are you working with people who are invested in your success? I mean, there are a lot of factors. I wanna to talk to you a little bit about psychological safety and what that means specifically in, in as we're talking about things like turnover and retention, you know, how important do you think psychological safety is to to that retention piece? Oh, it's critical. Uh, you know, employees, they or team members, associates, whatever we want to call them, um, they need to know that they're going to have opportunities. Um, I've, I've got a statistic for you. So I told you all these pieces. Yay! Of so, I love statistics. Bring them on. You know, yep. <laughs> So LinkedIn found that 94% of employees said they would stay at a company longer if it invested in their career development. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so people want to say, okay, you have a plan. I can grow. It's really important, um, even more so today, the old adage where people would come in to a company, they would pay their dues. They would, you know, go through the grind so they can move up in the company. Employees today, they that's not okay for them. Yeah, so yeah. Um, leaders, 
The leaders who can adapt and change for what employees need are more successful. Now, I give it that a little caveat. I am quite certain that the veteran generation, you know, we've got the veterans and the baby boomers and the generation X, generation Y, generation Z. I'm quite certain the veterans said the same thing about the baby boomers that, oh my gosh, you know, what are these boomers doing? And, they, you know, they don't have a work ethic and they do things so differently and they don't do it right. Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting. Um, in this environment where it's been very difficult for employers to attract and retain top talent. And, you know, for, for quite a while, it's been across the board. We're seeing some changes in there, um, you know, high tech software, you know, we're seeing some layoffs at very large companies, but there's still pockets that are always are, are going to continue to have a hard time hiring. But we were having a round table discussion with a group and, um, you know, one of the leaders and he, he, he was a seasoned leader. He had been around for a while with his company. He's like, you know, this is the way I operate and this is the way I want to do this. And I don't understand why when people are you know, applying for a job, they, they want to communicate by text and, and the, you know, they're doing all these different things. And I, I didn't even have to say it. Another one of the leaders, very successful business owner, said, well, we have to change with the times. That's how they communicate best. We need to meet them where they are. Yeah, and uh, yeah. the first one kind of looked at him kind of funny. Uh, but I've seen that time and time again. Again, it's that change and it's different. Um, but if you want to be successful as a leader, and, and we were talking about um, at whatever stage a company is in, whether it is a startup, this is, you know, startup hustle or, you know, a company that's been around for a long time, you have to understand your employees. You need to understand their needs, what's going on with them. Um, unfortunately, the days of work was work, home was home, never shall the two meet. Those days are long gone. Uh, home life is impacting us now, and, and employers need to be open to that. I'm not saying just give it a free for all and willy nilly, and whenever you want to come to work, great, do it, and you know do whatever you want. Um, but but employers who do care, who do, um, let me wrap a bow around this because I just got long winded. Um, who showed they care about their employees, their employees' well being inside and outside of work, as well as their development and growth and their contribution to doing something important in their company, whatever that is that you're doing, it's important. When they can show that, their employees are going to get on board and they will be with them 100% of the way. If they don't, employees are just going to look for the next best thing, like you said, or the grass is greener on the other side. So um, it, it's a simple approach to think about, but it's really hard to execute for leaders because I get it. They get busy and yeah. So Karen, I, I forewarned you that I was going to do this and I'm going to ask you to give away a little bit of your treasure. I know that you're a consultant and of course, we're going to encourage all of our listeners. If, if you have questions or if you want to engage with Karen and if you want to talk about training solutions and HR practices and all that good stuff, certainly do that. We're going to put links to uh, Nucleus Learning and we're going to, I'm sorry, KRHR and Nucleus Training Solutions. We're going to put those in the, the show notes. Um, but for the folks playing at home, what are some best practices, tips and tricks you can give folks that they can implement today to improve their culture, improve their retention, improve those numbers while at the same time helping out their teams and, and placing priority on their teams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I um, had a lot of clients find to be very helpful is to uh, conduct a culture survey. There's all kinds of them out there. Some are very expensive and some are not so expensive. Some are very simple. Some are very complex. I'm always an advocate of less expensive and less complex. 
Um, but a culture survey, um, it, that that can help you find out what your folks are thinking because they're anonymous. So people are oftentimes more comfortable really expressing their feelings, um, their thoughts or suggestions. Um, so that's one thing that a lot of companies will find very helpful. Now, the key is then you have to communicate your findings and you have to take action um, on that as well. Um, there's nothing worse than having a survey and then you don't tell anybody everything. So be yeah, committed yeah. to it. Um, if somebody doesn't have you know, maybe the budget or the wherewithal to conduct a culture survey, start creating some types of regular communication cadence with your folks. And I'm going to give you some different ideas because that can look very different. Like, like you said, Lauren, the tactics can be uh, different, uh, but there's still some basics that every organization needs. And, you know, what that includes is, um, regular communication. If you did a culture survey, they always come back and they say, we want more communication. So that can be one-on-one -on -one meetings with your staff, you know, whoever your direct reports are, carve out some time and you can ask them, what do they need and how often and what's important to them for that amount of time. Um, you can have team meetings and I'm an advocate of, you kind of flex those, change them for the needs of the team. When I was at OptumRx and our team was new, it was growing. We were adding people every other week. You know, we went from one person to 39 in a short amount of time. We had what we called lightning rounds or stand-up meetings. And so we were small. We were about 10 people at the time. We all stood there. We got a minute. I timed us and people could talk about what they're working on, what they needed help with. And then, you know, Joe and Susan would say, oh, good. You know, Susan say, I can help you with that, Joe. We'll take it offline. Um, and so we would do that. So everybody knew what was going on. And then eventually we didn't need them anymore. And we stopped having the meetings. Maybe an employer has a town hall meeting. You bring everybody together on a regular basis. Um, you know, wh whatever works for your organization, you can have a combination. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing I would do is recognition. People want yeah, to know yeah. you're doing a good job, right? That's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but here's my caveat for that one. Make sure you are providing recognition in a way that's comfortable for your team. Yeah. What I mean by that is I had, um, a, a business owner, awesome business owner dedicated to the business, his team doing the right things. And they had Friday meetings and he would, you know, announce various kudos and, and good jobs and all sorts of things. And he would announce, you know, this in front of everybody and say, Bob did this or Harold did that, or Jane did this. And I said, well, are you sure Bob and Jane are comfortable with you congratulating them in front of everybody? And he said, well, yeah, everybody likes to be congratulated in front of everybody. Nope. Not, <laughs> not everybody does. Some people are mortified by that. So think, think about the folks who are on your team who like, when you go out to dinner on your birthday, like they don't want people to be no. clapping and singing the happy no. birthday song because it's too much attention. It's so awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the advice I give to people all the time is if you're not sure about something, you're not sure how to communicate or you're not sure how to recognize them. And there's lots of ways to recognize them. It's so simple. Just ask them. One yeah. off. Lauren, how do you prefer? You know, if, if it's your birthday, do you want a big birthday celebration? You might say, yeah, I want balloons and everything. You might say, I mean, yeah. I do. I love words of affirmation, particularly of the public variety. But that being said, like I am one person and yeah, like I, I know I used to work with a bunch of developers and like developers are not known for being the most outgoing folks. 
Uh, and so like as, as a general group, it was like, well, let's not make them uncomfortable. Can't uh, call them out publicly. But, you know, just that pri- even that private moment, like pull you aside. Hey, just to let you know, you're doing a great job. Thank you. you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to so variety. We're talking about like meeting people at their level, meeting people yes. where they're at. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. Yeah. Well, because. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, we always talk about, you know, in, in both worlds, the HR and the learning. As a business owner, as an employer, as a leader, whatever that looks like, um, your role is to make sure your team has a safe and comfortable work environment. And so make sure that you're asking and you're ensuring that that environment is good. But recognizing them is so important. People need to hear that they're doing a good job. And then you've got, oh, another thing. You're giving away all the tips. All right, one more, one more. 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 Because again, this is all, it's great. Like when we have, you know, training classes, we'll practice this stuff and we'll do it. I'm like, yeah, it works really great here. Now you have to go implement it. It's easier said than done, but I'm hoping getting some nuggets in people's heads. If you can just take one and go start working on it, that's great. Um, But giving constructive feedback. And what I would ask you to do is take the word criticism out of your vocabulary. Do not ever do that because I'm going to ask you again, Lauren, like I did earlier. Lauren, do you want to have a constructive criticism discussion? Oh my God, that sounds terrible. Right. How about, (laughs) I would like to have a, a feedback discussion with you. You've been doing some really great work on the podcast and the speakers you've been bringing on. And I think we can make it even better with a couple of ideas I have for you. Would you like to have a discussion about that? Ooh, I would love to have that discussion. Okay, great. Well, and I think I think most people like inherently want to improve and want to get better, but huh. there's it, it's in human nature to get defensive or you know to be resistant to that kind of confrontational style. Like nobody likes hearing they're hearing that they're not doing like a perfect job or what have you. But when it's couched right, it becomes an opportunity rather than a you know something that could hurt you to your soul, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I don't recommend the old sandwich technique. Some people used to teach that. Lauren, compliment sandwich to today. <laughs> but you need to really, you know, make sure that it's a, a longer duration or whatever that may be. And I look forward to the next time meeting with you. We remember yeah. the first thing that somebody says and the last. We don't remember things in the middle. And that's the meat of what we need to change. So yeah. don't sandwich it is For my sure. recommendation. All right. No, no compliment sandwich. Don't that, sandwich. that has been, no, let's not do that. So, so let me, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you the human question. Uh, and you said that you said that you read a lot. And so I want to, I want to explore that with you a little bit. Uh, Cause I, I love readers. Um, for those of you who haven't seen this, Karen got to see a little bit of it. I, my office is just like packed with books. I love books. I love reading. Uh, so, so talk to us about some of the things that you're reading right now. What are you interested in? Oh, I, it runs the gamut. Um, if I don't want to think too hard, I like some good, you know, nonfiction novels. I've found some, some new authors. Um, okay. so that's good. I'm, I'm fortunate I can read really fast. So over one of the long weekends we had, I read two novels, but you know, I just kind of blow through them. Um, but I, I also read a lot of books like, you know, Patrick Lencioni. I think he has fabulous leadership books. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, book wise, I read a lot of periodicals, Wall Street Journal, Pew Research, Gallup. Gallup, I love because they do so much research around engagement and, um, you know, retention and so forth. Um, and of course, you know, you have to go with your associations. So SHRM, Society for Human Resource Management and 
ATD is the Association for Training and Development. Because always have to keep current on, you know, what you're doing in your vocation. Um, but yeah, so I just I'm, I'm always either that I'm reading it or I'm listening to it. Um, you know, a lot of them now they they record it with a computer, but it's okay. So I get on the elliptical at the gym and I listen to the Wall Street Journal. Nice. So, yeah. Well, very cool. Uh, you know, I, I, I gotta tell you, Karen, I, it has been a blast having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to, to chat with us and for sharing so much of your wisdom. Like I, I, I look, I always look forward to thinking about our guests listening to these episodes and like, you know, learning all kinds of cool stuff and hearing about new founders. And so, so this was a really good one. Um, but, but thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. You are welcome. And, uh, I also thank you for inviting me onto the show. It's, it, I've enjoyed it. Tremendously. Good. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, and, and something else that we enjoy, friends, we enjoy full scale. Uh, I, I know you know that that they have my heart. And speaking of retention, I always find this really interesting. But whenever I talk to Matt, uh, Matt DeCourcy about full scale, uh, one of the things that he always you know mentions is the fact that they have extreme employee retention at their location because Matt, you know, they they treat their teams well. Uh, and, and they had like, they, they have people who want to stay with them. So if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. And of course, my friends, I would be remiss if I did not point you to our online communities. Uh, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot we do startup hustle for you. Um, you know, all of the hosts are founders. We have all we all have our own founder journeys, um, but we want to hear your thoughts. So connect with us. We have a, a chat group on Facebook. We have a LinkedIn page. We have a YouTube channel. But you know, feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear and what founders you want to hear from. We love those suggestions because it helps us do our job better. Uh, so definitely do that. And please keep on coming back. We love that you listen to us week after week. We will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.